I love the Pacific Northwest. There is nothing quite like it. Those Douglas firs stretching 250 feet into the air with a lower canopy of, of hemlocks and western cedars. And the floor of the forest is covered with the fir needles and the hemlock needles so that as you hike into those trails, you uh, are going silently. All you can hear is your own breathing. But one of the most exciting things to do in the Pacific Northwest is camping. It is one of the most pristine and pure places to camp out. I love setting up camp, and especially with a, with a group of people, with that canopy of firs above you, looking up through the, uh, through the green of the, of the firs into the blue sky and the sun streaming down through. Sometimes there's a mist from the ferns coming up from the forest floor and the streaks of light come down through that mist. It is like a little slice of heaven. And, and I have to admit that this area has its natural beauty as well. Each, each glorifies God in his creation. But one of the things that is most precious, besides camp food, is the, uh, is the campfire. At night, as you, uh, as you have had your evening meal and the cool is coming into the, uh, into the evening, you can feel it settling in, you've got the campfire going. And campfires tend to draw people. And you sit close around it, and the warmth of that fire absolutely just heightens the whole mood of what's happening all around you. And you just hear the, the noise of the forest animals. You might hear an owl off in the distance. And, and just talking and sharing around that fire, memories are made. It is a beautiful experience. And I'm sure that many of us have experienced camping in groups. Um, now, some people consider camping going to a Motel 6, but, <laughs> but no, this is, this, what I'm talking about is getting out into nature and enjoying that fire. And of course, eventually, as the fire's starting to die down and that fresh air has, has had its effect on you, you begin to feel like it's time to settle into the safety of your tent in the warmth of a sleeping bag and settle in for the night. In the morning, it happens to be my habit most often to be the first awake. I just am. And so you get out into that 40 to 50 degree air as it has cooled down tremendously overnight. And the first, one of the first things you think about is looking for embers from where that campfire was the night before. And you stir them together, get them in a, in a group, and you start putting the kindling on there, and you start blowing. And um, actually, I ended up taking a bellows with me, which is a lot easier than blowing into, the, into, the, uh, into those embers. But soon, it starts kindling up, and, and you've got a flame again, and then you start adding the wood to it, in just a certain way so that the air ventilates up through and you've got a blazing fire. And soon you notice that people are coming and joining. Because the campfire draws people. 
it has an attractive power. It is something special in the camping environment. Yeah, it's special. Fanning the flames is really important. And as I have been studying in 2 Timothy, one scripture really took hold of me. It, it comes to us from 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 6 and 7. And it made me think of that camping experience. And the Apostle Paul shares, this is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. And I want to stop there just for a moment. You see, this is something that we can do. Notice that the the Spirit was given to us as a gift. But there is a variable in this situation. It says, fan it into flames. You see, we can let it burn down and become cold and almost forgotten. And the ashes of that previous experience cover over those embers that are there, but the seed of the Spirit is still there. The embers are there. And we have an opportunity. We have a choice. God gave us a choice. Jesus died on the cross to win that choice for us that we can fan into flames the gift that God has given us. You see, what we use becomes brighter when in God's economy. When, like the parable of the talents, the ones who used the talents were given more. It is just the way God works. And so we have this opportunity to fan into flames the spirit that God gave us. Now let's read on a little bit further. And it says, God, God gave you when I laid my, laid my hands on you. And in verse 7, For God has not given you a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. And I love that because we live in a culture that is being driven by fear. We live in a culture that is making us insecure, scared, uneasy. A culture that is getting us to react out of our fear instead of out of the peace that passes understanding. We live in a culture that is taking away our peace, our security. Right here in our audience, we have someone who has experienced the horrors of Ukraine. And we we look at the news and we are in horror at what is happening in our world. Unthinkable evil. And what shall we do with this? But God has given us a spirit to fan into flames that does not give us a spirit of fear, but gives us courage. Does not give us timidity, but gives us the the ability to act. Power. Out of power and love and self-discipline. This is what God gives us. He gives it to us as a gift. When Jesus came into this world, he came to do battle with the powers of evil. He came to do battle with the power of death and sin. He came into this world because he said 
that each and every one of us through generations was worth it to him. He did it so that we in what may be the last days could have a spirit of power, a spirit of love, a spirit of self-discipline that comes from the power of the Spirit. I was so taken with this verse to fan into flames that I did a little extra research on it. And I found another passage that told me something even deeper, written by the Apostle Paul, who was inspired. And I, I want to take this moment just to tell you that oftentimes we think of these writers of the Scriptures as those who were just hearing something from God and writing it down. But you cannot fail to recognize that they were people like us who said yes to God. And they experienced the troubles of this world. They experienced the hardships of this world. They knew what it was to do battle with evil. And when they wrote, they wrote out of a divinely inspired message that God gave them that applied to their lives and still applies to our lives today. And so this is what the Apostle Paul writes. He says in verse 19, do not stifle the Holy Spirit. Some of you might read in your version, do not quench the Spirit. Do not quench the Spirit. So we have this opportunity to fan it into flames or we can quench it. You know, we, we have this opportunity for intimacy with God and to fan that into, into flames and make it burn brightly within us. Because just like that campfire, someone who's burning brightly for the Lord also is attractive to those who are seeking for something authentic. This world has so many empty promises in it, so many dead ends, so many things that steal life. This world is full of things that addict us and control our lives and take away the joy of life. But there's something authentic in someone who has the Holy Spirit burning brightly within them. Amen. Some may reject it, but many receive it. They're drawn to it like a moth to the flame. He says, do not stifle the Holy Spirit. Now, one of the things that we do when we study the Bible is we want to look at what comes before it and what comes after it. And so I want to share with you something that I have lined out together. And I would, I would invite you to read along with me, starting in verse 16 of 1 Thessalonians. Always be joyful. Oh, this is a participation part for the congregation. Read it out loud. Always be joyful, never stop praying, be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Do not stifle the Holy Spirit, do not scoff at prophecies, but test everything that is said. Hold on to what is good and stay away from evil, of every kind of evil. Thank you. This is the message that Paul gives. Now, what we have here structurally is the center point is do not stifle the Holy Spirit. But this is a kind of parallelism that was common in the Hebrew uh, thinkers of that time. That this is called a chiasm because 
the ends feed to the middle so that you know that the center point is the most important point. And, and so do not stifle the Holy Spirit. So let's take each of these points, starting in verse 16. And the first thing, of course, is always be joyful. Do not be lost with the fact that it says always. That means always. Always be joyful and never mistake joyful for happiness. Happiness is something that we can try to manufacture, but joyful is a gift from God. Joy is something that is powerful. So let's look at a couple examples of what is happening here. Nehemiah, the the, um, city of Jerusalem is being rebuilt, the walls being rebuilt, And the people are rediscovering under Ezra, the priest, the word of God. And it's the time for the Feast of Tabernacles, where there's a big celebration. And when the word was read publicly, the people misunderstood it. They were struck in their hearts, and they were mourning and crying and struck in the heart because they misunderstood the word of God. And this is what Council Nehemiah gives them. And Nehemiah continued, Go and celebrate with a feast of rich foods and sweet drinks and share gifts of food with people who have nothing prepared. This is a sacred day before our Lord. Do not be dejected and sad. Read this with me. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. And and joy is something that is, has eternal benefits. Now think back to uh, David, King David, who had every advantage that God could possibly give. He had everything he could possibly want until he saw Bathsheba. And, and I want you to understand the depth of David's sin with Bathsheba because her father was one of the mighty men of God. So David knew her father. And Uriah the Hittite was also listed in a separate mighty men of valor. Mighty men of valor. Uriah the Hittite. And David took his position of power as a king and he had Bathsheba as though he were, she were his wife. And then he arranged for the killing of Uriah the Hittite. And he wrote Psalm 51. Psalm 51, and actually Psalm 32, are companions. But Psalm 51, he wrote to be read publicly in the streets of Jerusalem. And part of what you might remember is, um, create in me a clean spirit, O God, and renew a right No, and renew a right spirit. Create in me a clean heart, O Lord, and renew a right spirit in me. But you know what he he gets into next? He says, restore unto me the joy of your salvation. You see, joy is connected with salvation. Joy is connected with a knowing that this is not forever God has something far better planned for us. And I can be joyful about that. It may be miserable right now, but I can be joyful that I have a future, that I have a place, 
that God has a place prepared for me. That no matter what happens in this world, no matter what injustice there is, I can have the security of knowing that God is in control and that He has my salvation. And Jesus said, you cannot be plucked out of my hand. Jesus said, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. I can be joyful about that. Because the joy of the Lord is my strength. So we move from joy to never stop praying. Never stop praying. And one of the the things that we as followers of Jesus need to always bear in mind is that that vertical connection with God is what fills us so that we can have a horizontal connection with one another. You see, the love of God is unlike any love in this world. And he, in Romans, it actually says he pours his love into us. This is, an, this is an overwhelming amount of love that God is willing to pour into us if we will be empty to receive it. And that love is so powerful that it overflows and it affects those around us. And so you have that vertical dimension and the horizontal dimension And that's the cross because of what Jesus did on the cross. Never stop praying. Paul said, pray continually. And I have to say that prayer is is something that is off-putting to a lot of people because they think, I have to say a lot of fancy words. I have to, if I pray in public, I've got to make it really flowery. But you know, the truth is the prayer that God hears is the prayer of an open heart. You see, it's a heart connection with God. It's, a, it's, it's having a conversation with a friend. It is that openness with God and that familiarity with God that you are speaking with your friend, Jesus, and he understands. And it's not like when we pray that we're surprising God with anything that we'd say. He knows the words before they're on our lips. He knows everything that we've done. But when we pray with an open heart, we are opening ourselves to the fact that perhaps we've done something wrong. I pray oftentimes when I'm meeting with someone and they're talking and I'm listening and I'm praying to God, sending up dart prayers, what do I need to do here? Give me wisdom to be able to speak or to be silent. And just listen. We can get together as a group and pray. As we had that uh, beautiful congregational prayer by by Martin today. As he represented the congregation praying before God for the whole gathering here. We can have prayer meetings like on Thursdays. We can gather together and have prayer as a group. But that individual prayer time is so incredibly important. You know, the the thing is, our prayers do not change God. Our prayers change us. Our prayers change us. Never stop praying. Next, we move to be thankful. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Now, 
this is another expression of faith. Because it says, be thankful in all circumstances. You know, if you take this to the natural conclusion, it's like, can I be thankful that my friend just died? Can I be thankful that I just got fired from my job? But being thankful is an expression of faith. Being thankful is saying, God, I don't understand what's going on for me right now. I can't understand why this has happened. My heart is broken. But I am thankful that I can trust you. I can trust your heart in what is going on right now. I trust you, Lord. You see, the greatest expression of faith is not trusting God for the future. That is faith. But true faith is trusting God in the moment, in the circumstances that we are involved in, trusting God that he's got this. He's got me. And I'm going to be okay. And it's not forever. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. It's a discipline to learn to be grateful. Now, I have a dear friend in, in Vancouver, Washington, who is just retiring this year after 41 years of teaching. 41 years of teaching. And her ministry in teaching in the public school was a very special one. She took on the ministry to pregnant teens. Pregnant teens who oftentimes were cast off by society, but she made it her ministry to minister to these kids in a public school setting. She would have class sizes of 30, 30 girls, and boys were welcome as well. The fathers were welcome as well. Her success rate in teaching life skills and, and helping these, these girls particularly to graduate from high school at a rate of 89%. She told me one day about an exercise that she took her class through. She told them, gave them each a piece of paper and asked them to write down things that they were thankful for. And it was about five minutes when the first girl began to cry, and then another, and then another, and then another, because they began to list all the things that were going right in their lives. You know, understand that we tend to look at the 5 to 10% of the things that are going wrong in our lives. We tend to obsess about the things that are not going right. But there we leave behind the 90 to 95% of the things that are going okay or great. Our human nature tends to focus on the things that are wrong. But, you know, it takes a discipline to be thankful, to list those things. I mean, it's one of our longest holidays in the United States, Thanksgiving, because it's important to have an attitude of gratitude. So we move from, from being joyful to praying continually to being thankful. 
And then, of course, we come to our center point. Do not stifle the Holy Spirit. So we have come through a, peri- a, a pre- period of practices and then we move on to something big. Do not scoff at prophecies, but test everything that is said. Hold on to what is good. Now, oftentimes you might read this and at face value you would say, okay, so I'm theologically talking with someone else who's giving their interpretation of a scripture and I'm giving my interpretation of a scripture and we're having a battle over this and we are, we are testing it to see who's the right one. And, and we can have endless battles that bring division into the church as, as people need to be right. But I, I propose to you this. Do not scoff at, at prophecies, at God's word, but test everything that is said. When you study the scriptures and it touches your heart and you have an impression that there's something you should do, because of what God's word is telling you, then you should go out and apply it. Test what you are believing is being told to you and test it and apply it in your life and you will determine whether this was true or if your understanding was off. And when we try it in the laboratory of life, and we have a colossal failure, we've learned one way that it didn't work. But the truth is, is that we can come to a whole new understanding of a scriptural passage and how it's working in our life. And in Hebrews, this is what was shared about the Word of God. For the Word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than a two-edged sword, Cutting between the soul and spirit, between joint and marrow, it exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. You see, God's word is a powerful tool for cutting through our blind spots. The people, the people in Jesus' generation who were knowledgeable scholars in, in God's word were hardened in their belief. Jesus was the Word of God present, cutting between the bone and the marrow, cutting between the soul and the spirit, and they rejected it when they had the opportunity to come to know the love of God and His salvation and His plan for His people. God's Word is powerful. It is a powerful tool when we approach His Word It teaches us. Now, you may be wondering why I am carrying this backpack. But it's a a tangible illustration of something that has made me who I am. I am carrying a discipline on my back because it is part of me. Now, I'm going to ask Rihanna to come up here and... uh, she has been voluntold, I think, because I didn't get to ask her personally. But inside, hi, Rihanna. Okay, you want to open up that backpack. Inside these backpacks are my prayer journals.
Now, this is, this is the oldest one. This is my first. And it's dated 1981. So I did the math, and I'm in my 31st year of doing this. So I just want you to pile those up while I talk about them a little bit, Rihanna. So the Word of God has worked in me. Now, if you like what you see, anything that is admirable or good or, or trustworthy or whatever, it's all about Jesus. It's what I've learned as, as I have gone through his word week after week, day after day. Now, I want to tell you that I don't do it absolutely religiously. There are days where I miss but it's kind of like a diet, you know? You, you blow it one day and don't have enough food uh, or eat, eat too much food, you get back on it again. It's a discipline. And so this is kind of like um, uh, Jenga, you know, is piling this up. But the, the whole idea is that this has been a trend of my life, a practice in my life. And God has spoken into my heart and he has taken me through many, many difficult times and troubles. I want to I just show you what I, what I do. Um, on this left side, you'll see the passage that we're actually talking about. It's the second half of it. The first half's on the other page. But I underline, I write notes, I, I ask questions, I pour over that, and depending on the passage, I might be in it for a day and a half or two days. I could be in it for a week or a week and a half, something that's really complex. And then after I've studied it, I write a prayer in response to what I've learned. So at the very bottom, you can see a prayer there. And this, is, this uh, comes current. The other thing I do, thank you, Brianna. I appreciate your help. Can we give her a, a hand? And not, she didn't lose one. Nothing fell. It's perfect. This is the backside of these prayer journals because the first half I study, the second half is where I write down my prayer requests. And I always put my family's names in, and then I pray for people who God has laid on my heart. And you can see May 31st is the last entry there. There's, uh, there's more since the picture was taken. But the whole idea is that God's word has a powerful impact in transforming us over time. And I want to tell you, <laughs> the world we live in has many shiny diversions. What is one of the first things we're willing to give up? Our devotion time, our prayer time, giving giving a portion of our day to God. Because we get so busy with the important and we forget about the critical. And this is, this is so, so important. So the, the next one is stay away from every kind of evil. None of us are fireproof. And we oftentimes dabble in places that are temptations, our diverters from what is important. Stay away from every kind of evil. Take that time, just a, a, a portion of that time, to get to know Jesus better. To come to know him as a familiar friend. 
Now, let's just review this again. Always be joyful, never stop praying, be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Do not stifle the Holy Spirit. Live with power. You know, in, in 2 Timothy um, chapter 3, it says, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. That's a message to God's people. Those who are living as though they are Christians, but without the power, transformative power of the Holy Spirit, they have failed to fan to flame the Holy Spirit. They have failed to do those things, to pray, to study, to be thankful, to be joyful, to receive that joyfulness, to, to stay away from those things that are evil, um, to read God's word and study it. Having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. We have this opportunity to fan into flames the Spirit of God. God's church in the last days before Jesus comes needs to be and is called to be a bright, blazing fire. Like a campfire, a church that is on fire for God is an attractive church where people can come for refuge, where people can come for safety, where people can come to learn about the most loving being in the universe, Jesus Christ. Where people can come and know that they belong to something that is eternal. I think about setting priorities in our life. We are free agents because Jesus died on the cross that we could have the freedom of choice over evil. We have the freedom to choose any number of things in the world. There are more opportunities for doing things in this generation than there has ever been in all time. And, and many of those opportunities find themselves in a flat screen And I think of priorities. And when Jesus came into this world, he said, you are my top priority. And whatever it takes, whatever it takes, even though he struggled within his soul, Lord, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. But not my will, but your will be done. Jesus went to the cross, bore its sin and, and the shame and the suffering of the cross for the most perfect being that had ever walked this planet, saying, whatever it takes, I want them with me for eternity. And in the light of that, when we make our choices and our priorities, how does that compare to the priority that Jesus put on us. But there's more good news. Because I didn't bring you here to just lay a guilt trip on you. I want to give you hope because this is the gospel. The last verse Paul shares is verse 23 and 24. He says, Now may the God of peace make you holy in every way. Who's making you holy? The God of peace make you holy in every way, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless 
until our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. And then let's read this together. God will make this happen for he who calls you is faithful. And this is the good news. <laughs> that brothers and sisters, we are a work in progress. We fall short. Even in our best experiences and best hopes and, and, and actions, we fall short. But Jesus never falls short. And he is bringing us into a closer and closer relationship with him. And all he asks through the Apostle Paul is fan the flames. I think of my campfire experience and I think of what effect that had on people. Can you be that light? Can you be that presence of the Holy Spirit, that authentic person that people say, wow, whatever they've got, I want some of that. Can you be that person who fans the flames, who is joyful, who is thankful, who is praying continually, that person who is studying God's Word, that person who is, is staying away from evil, that person who loves people deeply? Can you be that person? Well, you can't. Accept that God makes it happen. All he's asking is spend time with me. Make me a priority in your day and spend some time with me. And I will do this. And that is good news. And all the people said, Amen. Amen.